Thank you. I'm honored to be back. Thank you for the welcome. And I sure enjoyed that singing, the harmony, just before I came out. It's just beautiful. It, uh, thank you for having me. I believe your pastor is on a little sabbatical, uh, three or four weeks. But I was at, uh, as you may know, I was at pastor of Westminster Chapel in London for 25 years. And they gave me a six-week uh, holiday every year, plus other weeks. And there's always some Brit who would say, oh, he ought to be in the church every Sunday, uh, really to make your life comfortable. But it, I don't think anybody in Tennessee would be like that. But you, you have no idea, most people have no idea, the pressure that a pastor is under. You have no idea. And uh, I don't know if you're aware of the statistics. There's a pastor leaving the ministry every week. You just can't take the pressure. And uh, so well done you for it, allowing and granting a, a time like that to your pastor. Uh, there's a famous story. I guess you've heard of the great Charles Spurgeon, the preacher. Uh, he once went to a Victoria station in London and got on the first class coach. And some <laughs> pious Christian Brit came up and said, Mr. Spurgeon, I go into the third class to save God's money. And Spurgeon said, I go into first class to save God's body. And uh, that's the principle. Anyway, wonderful to be back with you. And um, I'm going to speak to you on the subject, getting God's opinion. And I want to read to you from James chapter 1, verse 5. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. May God be pleased to bless the reading and the preaching of this, his most holy and infallible word. Brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray now for the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus by your Spirit to rest upon every mind in this place in order that their perception of what I say will be heard and received as you intend. Cleanse my tongue that I will be your transparent instrument to say everything that needs to be said, nothing that doesn't need to be said. Help me to be very, very clear, very, very simple. And may this be a life-changing word so that those who hear will never be the same again. And may this bring you great honor and glory. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Getting God's opinion. This is a definition of wisdom. God has an opinion. Maybe you've never thought about it. The word opinion means point of view. And God has an opinion. And the trouble is that we don't always want his opinion. Because it just might interfere with our plans and all that we'd hope to take place. And, uh, but he does. And the question is today, would you really like God's opinion? And if you got it, would you go along with it? You see, God has an opinion, and he wants you 
to want his opinion and ask for it. And so James's way of putting it, if anyone lack wisdom, let him ask God. There's a verse in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 2. God says, without asking my advice, they set out to go down to Egypt, and then everything was messed up after that. The wisest and smartest thing any of us can ever do is to get God's opinion and then follow through with it. You might like to know that James chapter 1, verse 5 is arguably the first reference to prayer in the unfolding of the Christian faith. Let me explain what I mean by that. We know that the New Testament is Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. But you may not realize that Matthew was probably not written till around 60 AD. Uh, why it's put first, I, I don't know. But James, which is later in the canon of the New Testament, was actually written around 40 AD. And so, in other words, the first reference to prayer in the unfolding of the Christian faith that was put in writing is right here. And it's put like this, if anyone lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Now, answered prayer will always relate to the will of God. Like it or not, if you want your prayer to be heard, you want it to be answered, you pray in God's will. In fact, 1 John 5, 14 says, if anyone asks in God's will, if you ask for prayer and ask in his will, God hears you. Well, we don't always know that we're praying in God's will. It's important to know that what you're praying for is in his will. You may ask, well, how can I know I'm praying in God's will? Well, I'll give you three examples. Number one, the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, when you pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, the Lord's Prayer. So whenever you pray in the, uh, the Lord's Prayer, you are praying in, in his will. For what it's worth, uh, my wife Louise and I have prayed uh, the Lord's Prayer uh, every day out loud together for years and years and years. We'll pray it before this day is over. It's just something we do. By the way, I've been married to her 65 years. And, uh, but wait. Two days ago, I became 88 years. So there. So uh, here I am coming back to you. So I'm honored to be with you. Well, we pray for wisdom in everything. And so we pray the Lord's Prayer, Louise and I do every day. Another way of knowing you're praying in God's will is when you pray in the Spirit. Now that's a phrase Paul uses, Romans 8, 26, 27. If we any pray in the Spirit with groanings that cannot be uttered. And according to Paul, when you pray in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit intercedes according to the will of God. So if you can figure out what that means, that's the time you're praying in the will of God, and you're heard. But a third example is when you ask for wisdom. Whenever you ask for wisdom, you are praying something that you can be sure you're praying in the will of God. And now the Greek word is Sophia. So if anyone lacks wisdom, Sophia. 
that's the translation, uh, is wisdom, Sophia. In the ancient Hellenistic world, the Greeks thought that only the gods could have Sophia, wisdom. Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, they're the ones that have Sophia. Ordinary people like you and me, out of the question. But James said, not true, not true. If anyone lacks Sophia, you ask God, because God is the one that knows the next thing you should do. He knows what is wisdom. And so if you want to pray in the will of God, ask for wisdom. And according to James, all of us can have it. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And uh, Proverbs, who are uh, written by Solomon, uh, gave us that kind of advice. And you just fear God. That's the beginning. It's not your IQ. It's not your education. It's wanting his will. And it's offered to all of us. Uh, as for Solomon, I don't know if you are aware of this story. Uh, in 1 Kings chapter 3, uh, let me read to you. It's a famous story, but somebody here may not have heard of it. It's easier read than told. Uh, and let me put it this way. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 16. Two women who were prostitutes came to King Solomon and stood before him. One woman said, please, my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house. And I had a baby while she was in the house. On the third day, after I gave birth, she also had a baby, and we were alone. No one else was with us in the house. Just the two of us were there. During the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. She got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your servant was asleep. She laid him in her arms and she put her dead son in my arms. When I got up in the morning to nurse my son, I discovered he was dead. And that morning, when I looked closely at him, I realized that he was not the son I gave birth to. No, the other woman said, my son is the living one, your son is the dead one. The first woman said, no, your son is the dead one, my son is the living one. So they argued before King Solomon. The king replied, making sure that he had the perspective right. This woman says, this is my son who is alive and your son is dead. But that woman says, no, your son is dead and my son is alive. The king continued, bring me a sword. Well, so they brought the sword to the king. And the king said, Cut the living boy in two, and give half to one, 
and half to the other. The woman whose son was alive spoke to the king because she felt great compassion for her son. My Lord, give her the living baby. Please don't have him killed. But the other one said, he will not be mine or yours. Cut him in two. The king responded, give the living baby up to the first woman and don't kill him. She is his mother. All Israel heard about the judgment the king had given, and they stood in awe of the king because they saw that God's wisdom was in him to carry out justice. Well, this is an example of the kind of wisdom that only God would have. An example of one who had the courage to show this wisdom. But there is a story that precedes this. You perhaps know this, that uh, one day God came to Solomon and said to Solomon, uh, what would you like for me to do for you? What would you like? Well, Solomon said, uh, I need wisdom. I need to know what to say, what to do to govern this kingdom. I'm just not able to do it in myself. And God was so pleased with Solomon's request. And he said, you know, Solomon, you could have asked for long life, but you didn't. You could have asked for judgment on all your enemies, but you didn't. You asked for wisdom. And God was so pleased with that request that he said, I'm going to give you that wisdom plus the things you didn't ask for. You see, that's the way God is. If we ask for the right thing, this is why Jesus said, Matthew 6, 33, my dad's favorite verse, I would hear it all the time as I grew up, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. You know, it's an indictment, forgive me, upon the health and wealth gospel that you hear about today, Name it and claim it. Believe it, receive it. Just ask for anything you want. Prosperity teaching. It's not of God. We should be teaching. Get God's will. Seek his kingdom. And you get all these things. But we're told today by so many preachers, you know, seek these things so that you can, you know, drive your Mercedes Benz and stay in five-star hotels. That is not the gospel. That's not the New Testament. Well, <laughs> thank you. The truth is, Solomon just wanted wisdom. Some years ago, I was fly flying in a plane from New York to Miami, and my Bible reading included Exodus chapter 33, verse 13. Uh, I have a Bible reading plan. I've kept, I've kept it for over 40 years. Dr. Mark Lloyd-Jones introduced it to me. Uh, I think 44 years ago, and I followed it. It takes you through the New Testament twice, the Bible in a year, the Psalms twice. You can go online and, and get it. Anyway, I was reading my Bible reading on the plane, and it, I was, the reading was Exodus 33. And when I came to verse 13, a verse I guess I've read a thousand times, I saw something for the first time I'd never seen before. 
the wonderful thing about the Bible. You can read it again and again, get something new every time. I saw something that I had not seen, and it convicted me to my fingertips. When God said to Moses, I'm pleased with you. Now what would you like to ask for? And Moses said, Lord, if you are pleased with me, then, question, could you fill in that? Would you know what Moses just then asked for? If you're pleased with me, then, and Moses put his request. Can you imagine what he said? Do you know? Well, I'm going to tell you, when I read that, I was so ashamed as I thought, I don't think I would have asked for that. His request was, if I'm pleasing you, show me your ways. That's what Moses wanted. And I felt so convicted. You see, God wants you to know his ways. Hebrews 3.10, my people, Israel, they've not known my ways. You see, that is what is on offer. God's opinion. And you must know his ways. How do you get to know anybody's ways? Well, by spending time with them. How do you get to know God's ways? Well, by spending time with him. How much do you read your Bible? How well do you know your Bible? How much do you pray? Children spell love, T-I-M-E. What if God spells your love for him, T-I-M-E? And God wants you to know his ways. And so, according to James, all of us can have it. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so he puts it like this. He's willing to give it to you. And he wants to give it to you. And whenever you ask for wisdom, you can be sure God likes that. You can ask for it. He's pleased. He's not going to look at you and say, oh, you want to know that? How dare you think I was going to give you that? Oh, when you ask for wisdom, he is ready to receive you. The trouble is, as the old hymn put it, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what painless uh, oh, what pain we could have avoided, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Well, on offer is his opinion. I would define wisdom as the presence of the mind of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, third person of the Godhead, he has a mind. And the mind of the Spirit, if you can get it, will always be right to know what his mind is. You may know the expression uh, presence of mind. A non-Christian can have it. Unusual strength in a moment, or unusual thing to say. It can happen to a non-Christian. But only the Christian can have the presence of the mind of the Holy Spirit. And that way, if you get his mind, you are not going to mess up. I would call it 2020 foresight vision. 
We all have 2020 hindsight vision. We only, if I could relive yesterday, or what I said a week ago, or a year ago. But if you get the mind of the Spirit, you will have 2020 foresight vision. You will not regret what you say, what you do, when you follow the mind of the Spirit. It is saying the right thing at the right time. But there is a requirement. That is this, that you have the mind of the Spirit when he is ungrieved. I may be coining a term, but it, I don't know why we call it coining the term. Some think that I've done that. But Ephesians 4.30 says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. The word grieve comes from a Greek word that means get your feelings hurt. You say, well, R.T., surely you can't hurt the Holy Spirit's feelings. Oh, yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can. And you see, when the Holy Spirit is grieved, it's not that you lose the Holy Spirit, because Jesus said the Holy Spirit will abide with you forever. But what happens is you lose the consciousness of his presence. It's like the dove that lifts, and you don't get the mind of the Spirit because you've grieved him. And I talk about the ungrieved spirit. I remember some years ago, I was preaching in Florence, Alabama, and the pastor, for some reason, just as we were walking into the pulpit, he whispered to me, he said, what's a veteran like you got to say to a young whippersnapper like me? I thought, hmm. I can tell you, find out what grieves the Holy Spirit and don't do that. You got your work cut out for you. You see, grieving the Holy Spirit is what causes the Spirit just to back off, so to speak, and you don't get the mind of the Spirit because you grieved him. Or let's put it this way. John the Baptist, he knew that Jesus was the Messiah because he said, I saw the dove come down on Jesus and remained. I'm sure you know about the dove being a symbol of the Holy Spirit. How many of you noticed the word remained? The dove came down and just stayed there, remained. You know, when the dove comes down on me, I'm ashamed to tell you, doesn't stay. I wish it did. It, 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 there are times when you just feel his presence. And when the spirit comes down, you just think, Lord, this is so good. This is so wonderful. Please don't leave. Please stay. But during that time, there's such peace. There's joy. You think, oh, after this moment, I'll never doubt you again. But then the day goes on and you think, what happened? What happened? God was so real. Well, maybe it was when you were driving down I-65 and a car in front of you going so slow, you rolled down the window, hey, what's the matter with you? And the dove just kind of flies away. You're in Publix, Kroger's, and you're in a hurry, and you're at the cash register except that there's this little old woman in front of you and she's 
counting her change. And you think, oh, you wanted her to hear you? She did. But so did the dove. It just flies away. You see, the, the dove will not bend the rules for any of us. And so when we grieve the spirit, it just flies away. You say, well, what grieves the spirit? I can tell you. As soon as Paul said, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God with whom he was sealed for the day of redemption, the next thing he says is, let all bitterness and wrath and anger be put away from you. I'm sorry, but if there's someone here, you've come into the church that you're bitter, you're upset, you're angry. You say, well, God understands. Yep. But he won't bend the rules for you. The dove just leaves you for the moment. He goes on to say, let all bitterness, anger, wrath, clamor, forgiving one another. This means if there's unforgiveness in you, hmm, the dove just flies away. You will not have the mind of the spirit. And you're left to yourself and you make all kinds of stupid mistakes. The trouble is you say, well, I'll never admit I was wrong. And you may never get wisdom either. This is why in Proverbs 4, Solomon says, though it costs you all you have. Get this understanding, get this wisdom. I'm afraid <laughs> that wisdom costs. Oh, it costs. Oh, well, that's true. I'll go to my bank and see what, what I can draw out and how, who do I pay? How much? Well, not that kind of cost. What kind of cost? Well, your friends may distance themselves from you. You may have to turn down a coveted invitation. You may have to abandon a certain relationship. You may have to appear stupid in other people's eyes. And there's one other thing. I didn't mention this in the first service. I should have, but I have it in my notes here. Proverbs has much to say about wisdom and adultery. Mm, yeah, wisdom and sexual purity. You see, I have to tell you something. Wisdom and adultery don't go together. You see, that's why you have so much in Proverbs about sexual purity. Yeah, there's a cost. I'll tell you something. This morning, about two hours ago, as I walked on the platform, I did a sound check, and I get a phone call. And I look and say, this is a, I recognize the state. I'm not going to tell you the state, but it was from a prominent pastor in a very prominent state. And he said, RT, I want you to hear about it first. I'm resigning from the ministry today after 45 years, and he had messed up big time. See, it's happening. It's happening. The thing is, if you're wanting wisdom, I'm sorry, there's sexual purity. It's part of the cost. <laughs> I don't know you. 
I don't know that I know anybody here. And I have no knowledge that you need this, but I'm going to tell you if there's anyone here right now. You are in the middle of an affair or thinking about having one. I've got a word for you. Hmm. You ready for it? Stop it! Now! Break it off! It's only a matter of time you'd give a thousand worlds to turn the clock back. Because you'll get caught. That's wisdom. Though it costs you all you have. And so, it's so precious. And when I consider the world today, whether it's the church speaking generally or the political world, you know what is absent Wisdom. People don't know what to do. They don't know what to say, where they're going. And yet it's on offer. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And I would urge you to take this on board. But I feel led to close with not changing the subject. In fact, what is the wisest thing I can ask you? You know what it is? Do you know for sure that if you were to die today, would you go to heaven, do you? And if you were to stand before God, you will. And he were to ask you, he might. Why should I let you into my heaven? Whatever would you say to him? You see, Proverbs tells us the way forward, though it costs you everything. Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed that the man wants to die. You're going to die. I'm closer to death than most of you. Who knows? Do you know for sure? If you were to die today, would you go to heaven? And if you stood before God, you will. And he says, why should I let you in? What would you say? Be too late to say, well... I want to do the right thing. I want to please you. Your answer. What comes to your mind right now? Right now, when I say, what would you say to God? If it didn't come to your mind already, to say, well, because Jesus died for me. If that didn't come to your mind, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes or anything in the world. But that can all change right now. I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. Word for word. You can pray it in your heart. Don't need to say it out loud. God will see you. But if you don't know for sure, pray this prayer right now. Lord Jesus, I need you. I want you. I know I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sins. Wash my sins away by your blood. I welcome your Holy Spirit into my heart. And as best as I know how, I give you my life. That's the prayer. Did you pray it? Did you? Question, are you ashamed that you prayed this prayer? Why do you ask, R.T.? 
Because Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. I'm going to ask you to do something that you maybe didn't think you'd ever do. You weren't thinking about it today. But if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you in the next 10 or 15 seconds to stand up. You mean in front of all these people? Oh, yeah, in front. Because Jesus said, if you confess to me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. If you prayed that prayer and not ashamed of it, Will you stand up right now? <laughs> Remain standing. Okay. Remain standing. Let me just say this. You did the right thing. It's possible that some of you standing, you were saved before today. That's possible. But when you heard me put it as I did, you heard the gospel. You stood, that's good. You did the right thing. But if you've never prayed a prayer like that before and never confessed him openly before, you know what just happened to you? You've just been born again. Happy birthday. You can be seated. I'm finished. Worship group, come. God bless you.